Warning, the following episode was recorded months before the tragic death of Tyree Nichols. Due to the nature of today's discussion, we would like to apologize if this episode comes off insensitive to some. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Nichols family and others who have lost their lives due to police misconduct. Now, let's learn and begin to heal together. Hey, hey, welcome to a brand new episode of Straight Up Sugar Podcast. I am your host, Calvin. Uh, this is a part two episode. If you've been listening uh, to our previous episode, uh, we're talking about making not America great again, making African Americans great again, too. Because uh, joining me today, before we get started, uh, is my previous guest on the last episode, part one. Coming back today is CJ, Robbie, and wow. Mr. David. Thank y'all so much for joining me today. I'm glad to be here, man. What's going on, man? Look, we we having some real, real king talk right now. Yeah, much talk. needed. That's right. And and today, I, I don't have my co- my co-host with me today, but uh, these are gentlemen that I respect so much. We've uh, traveled the road, uh, as you heard in our part one of this episode. We talked about how Robbie uh, is my cousin, but I did not know he was my cousin because he's best friends with CJ. So I was like, wow, we just small world. So I didn't know he was my cousin. So I met CJ. It's just crazy. But uh, these are three men of my life, personal life that I respect their opinion. I'm pretty sure that we all have people uh, that respect our opinion, but these three I really respect because they helped groom me into the man that I am today. Honestly, if we're being really honest, if it wasn't for David, I wouldn't have been to college. And uh, David, until this, I tell you all the time, like I thank you because uh, I met, well, I knew David, but uh, David, when I, I got fired from my job, I remember this, I got fired from my job, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I grew up in the projects, and some of y'all know my story. My mom and dad kind of split up, and I was left to fend on my own. So I had to finish high school on my own, and I didn't go to college right away after high school. Uh, I worked nine to five, and I got fired from it. And I was just crying and I went to go see Dave's wife because she was close to my sister. And Dave talked to me about going to college. And I didn't know anything about going to college. I thought you had to pay for it. Dave helped me get to college. And if it wasn't for a man like Dave uh, that wanted to see me do better in life, you, I would not be where I am today. Uh, so he is one of the pivotal people in my life that helped me groom into the man you see today. So these are why these men are so special to me because uh, in our community, especially in the black community, there's not a lot of positive black male role models. Uh, And so even though we're in our thirties, I respect these men's judgment and and influence because they have, they've helped me positively in my life to make great decisions. So uh, CJ is one of our most talked about guests on this podcast and if anybody's more calm it's robbie robbie brings the calmness to everybody he's never the aggressive one i think that's kind of me but uh but these men are definitely pivotal to my life so i had to have them on this show before we end this podcast as a whole so uh once again gentlemen thank you so much uh for coming on this show um and so we talked about just black positivity and how there is lack of it 
in the community and it comes from slavery it comes from civil rights era it comes from just media and itself pushing it down our throats uh david and cj and robbie gave us some insightful uh information about black positivity and the history of that now most of you who are listening right now, you probably, some of y'all have probably left to say, you know what, I'm not going to entertain this. I'm not going to listen to these people listening to this. And they probably checked out. If you have checked out, you're the problem. Because these are conversations that not, because none of us are game bangers. I don't think none of us have been arrested. I haven't. Uh, no, they haven't been arrested. None of them. <laughs> no. So last we, I checked. No. Yeah, last I checked. You know. Oh, they, 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 shoot. David got warrants. I think David got a couple like Grand Theft Autos. I think, and but you know, that one time, you know, <laughs> heavy foot, David. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Speed oh man, I think out of all, she did. She did the best driver out of all of us. I think, but I mean, I gotta be, man. Like, like my my half my job is driving. So literally, if I get tickets, man, then that's flags against uh, my job. So I gotta but, uh, be. But but you know we we we're not the stereotypical black men. You know we're educated, college educated, uh, and we're not a monolith. We actually there are some of us out there that are trying to do impactful things in life. Uh, you know, David is the father. You know, of a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful young lady, talented young lady, uh, beautiful wife as well. Uh, Robbie and CJ both they're just doing great things in the community. Uh, both professionals too, uh, career oriented jobs. So we we are doing impactful things that you probably will not see. And this is for our international friends. You probably won't see in the media. But as we talked about previously, the media has been controlling what goes on in our neighborhoods like that. So we want to jump off today. It's like, as I talked about, and I start with CJ on this one, like, what can we do to get people to really sit down and because I got my platform, my platform is not big, but how can we communicate? Because I, I, I put it as, as a baby screaming. We're talking to you. We're asking for help. How can we get people to come to the table and actually listen to us in your opinion? So as far as actually making them come to the table, that that'll never happen, right? Like a person's going to do what they want to do regardless. Now, what we can do, though, is put out enough opportunities for people to come to the table, quote unquote, if they so choose to, right? Uh, a big problem that we have is not just with the... um the natural mentality of wanting to come up with these solutions, but how many solutions are there? Like straight up, this platform is important, right? Because you're touching important issues in different cultures that needs to be addressed. Well, guess what? We need more platforms, right? Because like, obviously this hits a certain demographic, right but then there could be another platform in let's say california or something right or new york or something right it's like just one isn't enough right you need multiple quote-unquote outposts right in order for folks to quote-unquote get you know uh the message or at least have access to the quote-unquote message right so 
if you're asking me what what's the ultimate solution or at least one of them, definitely we need more platforms. Like the ones that we have are good, but we need more. The access needs to be out there, man. Robert, what do you think? I was going to say we need to figure out a way to make the platforms bigger. Be able to reach a broader audience. Because that's one of the things like I've noticed a lot within our community. If you ain't big, you ain't really being checked upon. They ain't checking for you. Spot on. Spot on. My my thing is, is that as intelligent as all of us are, like, I don't see how we can get through through our community. Because you can have the A.B. Palmers, which is like a community center and stuff like that. But it's like, I, I, because I'm a proud, I'm a, I'm a proud project kid, you know, and, uh, and this is what me and my cousin Daz, shout out to Dasman. Uh, and funny enough, let's put, let's put it like this. Black Panther is really hot at this time of the recording. Black Panther's the number two is out right now. Wakanda Forever. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Um, but I watched the, uh, this, this analysis of Black Panther, how we all said that Killmonger was not the, the, he's a, he's a victim of, uh, black neglect, right? Cause his, his, his dad got killed, you know, and his uncle left him to, to fend for himself. And so he grew up angry, you know, and grew up villainous and stuff like that. And the guy was saying that Killmonger was just looking for an outlet, you know, he's looking for, Hey, I'm here too. And the reason why T'Challa was accepting or kind of trying to hear him out is because T'Challa was kind of like Carlton. Like, you know, he was like, he had that black guilt, you know. Honestly, me being... Survivor's guilt. Yeah, survivor's guilt. Me being a projects kid, I have survivor's guilt a lot because I talk a certain way, you know. But at the same time, a lot of people know that I can flip that switch really quick and go back to, you know, being their project kid. It, it, it never leaves you, but I don't like I don't like to see that side of myself. But like, and you know, some of y'all y'all might have got a little taste of it. But like, um, but that black guilt, you know, how can we not fix that? But like, how do we go back to to reach our people, like? Because they were trying to give me a solution, like, you know, like, just because Robbie says we can platform, but like, it has to start with us. But like, I, I'm confused. I don't know how to reach the people that I grew up with. Because frankly, a lot of people that I grew up with ain't alive no more, even at my age. So it's like, I don't know how to, one, to get over black guilt, but two, like, how can we do what Robbie said and actually reach them on a bigger platform? Number one. The first thing that I'm going to say is, and this may not be taken well, it may be taken okay. First thing that we need to understand is that guilt is not, guilt, guilt's not real. That sounds kind of crazy, but it's kind of one of them things where it's like guilt is a feeling, it's not just, that's what I mean when I say it's not real. It's very real in your mind. You know what I'm saying? Because you're thinking about it and it bothers you. But in actuality, you should not let it be so realistic to you that it actually has control over your feelings. 
the West, one thing that's big that hampers us as Black people, we let those feelings and those emotions, guilt and fear and shame, doubt, and all of these things are basically, and like, I hate to use the term imaginary, but all of these things are things that are in the mind. And therefore, you have to realize that your life and what was placed on your life is for you to do. And therefore, you should not let your shame, your fear, your doubt, your, you should not let those things in your mind uh, be able to have a physical control on what you're doing because it holds you back from accomplishing what you were set on this earth to accomplish. So the first thing that we need to learn is we need to teach ourselves and it starts with us honestly teaching our children to not focus on the shame, doubts, and fears and things of that nature. You can teach them to respect things but not fear, no, not the shame, not the doubt. Let's move past that. Because those are things and those are tools that others use against us. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's with family, that's with industries, it's taught in school, it's taught in business. They use those emotions to put a lock on us, emotional lock on our minds. So therefore, first thing is we have to get rid of that in our talk and in our thought and in our thinking. And that takes time. But the best or the easiest part with that is, or the beginning of that is you have to realize that time is something that's not left you remember in the first episode i told you about i've learned to take time sitting more seriously what time is passed and gone is already gone you can't get back just like you said you can't reach back to get those those people who are already gone those family members who are already gone those friends who've already lost what you can do is teach for the future starting today if you never start it'll never happen just like if you never plant a seed then you'll never get a tree and it's not going to happen tomorrow. We've gotten into this rapid Instacart mindset, Amazon wanted the next day. And I'm sorry, it's not going to happen the next day. Things take time. But if you never start it, then it's never going to end. And it's kind of crazy because us as a people, we'll be quick to not be willing to start something because we don't think it's going to go anywhere. But then at the same time, we will stay in a situation for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 generations thinking it's going to change, but we never started anything to bring the change. We have to start teaching our children something different. We have to start instilling more pride into our kids. We have to find, we don't know that history, but with the history that we do have, we need to teach them. We should not be waiting for the school to teach our children about the stuff that happens in Black history one time a year. We should be teaching as much history as we know or what we can find to our children. We need to put books in our children's hands and teach them what to read and what to learn and what to know. We should find other outlets like skills and tasks and things of that nature and teach our children how to work, teach our children how to think, think our, teach our children about business, about saving, about finances, because the schools are not going to teach them. All the schools are going to teach them is you're going to go, you're going to work, you're going to do this and work for somebody else. We got to start teaching our children different. We have to put the thoughts into our children's head. There was once a time where education was pushed by family. We don't push education like we used to anymore. And not so much education, but actually the realm of what type of education. Don't just go to school, but go to school for something. You don't have to go to Ivy League schools. We have a lot of, we have a lot of HBCUs that are 
in our communities that we can be growing up and we can be using. We have trade schools that we can be growing up and be using. You don't have to spend all your money out there and end up in debt. But we're not teaching our children that and we're not doing that. So there's a lot of changes. It starts with what we do for our children. I can go on, on and on, but it starts with what we do for our children and what we teach our children. So teach your children trades. Teach your children to go into, into good fields because one of the major problems that we have as Blacks in industry, even for those who are starting businesses, is we have no producers. So I can have a t-shirt brand that I want to put out, but guess what? When it's all said and done, the money that I make, a percentage of my money has to go either overseas to China or it has to go to another company that's owned by another culture than myself than my brother because we're not producing the textiles to make the t-shirt you feel me we have all these black owned businesses that they have food that they're making they're putting the food out and this that and the other they're making the money but guess what 50 percent of that food or that money that they make off that food business goes to other people because we don't have black owned markets we don't have that many Blacks that are going to college for agriculture so they can be out here farming and planting crops and doing things so that we have food to supply our people. Meanwhile, in this day and age, all you're hearing about on the media and the news is we got these food deserts. There's these food deserts and the food is getting so high because of inflation. But at the same time, the country, America, is literally Shut, they're shutting down production plants. They're telling croppers to not plant crops. They're destroying fields to make this food be as expensive as it is. And who can't afford it? It's us who can't afford it. So we have to teach our children and then push them to go into these fields. The, I'm, I'm just being for real. The Asians that are here, their parents push their children, go to school, be a doctor. The Indians, go to school, be a doctor. Go to school, be a lawyer. Go to school, be a scientist. Go to school, be an engineer. And like, you feel me? And yeah, we don't and do like, that for ourselves. And like, I like how, like, in the previous episode, you talked about, like, you gave the history of the Jews and stuff like that and what they went through. Uh, and I think it was, was it Jay-Z, I think, CJ, or Robbie? It was Jay-Z. He was saying that, like, do you want to know why Jewish people are the way they are? With money and stuff like that, because they're smart about it. Like they have a there, they are with the community. Like and I, I know the answer to this is is the media and but it's like why is it so hard for us just to like come together as a community? I don't I don't I don't understand it. Like it's just like like and with <laughs> like because people that would hear this, like once again, and, and if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking we're all pro black. Like you know, we have the we started this at this this whole this whole series about saying that we as black men feel like we don't have a true identity in America because we really don't. So I think that a lot of us as black people are going through identity crisis, you know, and because it's like, man, if I talk a certain way, I'm not gonna be, like, and I'm not, I'm gonna give you a personal story. Like, so I'm not accepted in most places. Like as a black man, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not, and this is me personally, not David, Robbie, or CJ. This is me personally. Sometimes I get overlooked by black women because one, I'm heavy set. Two, because I talk a certain way. But then I'm hated by black women or white white women because I'm black. 
you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a threat to white men. But then to black men, I'm like, well, and this is this is personally, again, I'm looked at differently by elder black men because I'm too smart and I make more money. So it's like I have to, I'm battling, and people, and, and women too, people don't realize what black men are fighting against. It's like, man, like, you hate me, you hate me, you hate me, you hate me, you hate me. Where is the love? Like, you know, where is the love? And like, like, who can I run to? Like, and that's <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But like, it's serious. It's like, who can I run to? And it's not black anger, it's black frustration because, like, and I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna get canceled for this probably. I said a lot, but I really, I, when this, this might, you know, I gotta I got paraphrase this very carefully. No pressure. <laughs> I understand why some black men don't want to be fathers. Why some black men cheat. And it's not because it's like, that's what they're known for doing, but it's the term of YOLO. You only get one life when it's like, dang, like I got to work 12 jobs just, just, just to stay foot. I got to work, you know, and it's like, it's not right, but I understand it. I got to work three jobs to support the kids I got. Like, how can I break this down? If if you put me in a uh, a declining school, right, with the graduation rate is at twenty percent, I'm gonna drop out anyway. So I don't have an education. Where can I go work? Burger King. How much is Burger King making now? Not a lot. But you know what? Because I wasn't taught about the birds and the bees the right way, I'm gonna have a child out of wedlock. You know what I mean? So now I have to get another job because my girl is still in high school. So, you know, so it's a, a three-year-old. She's a, now a senior in high school. She may go to college, but she probably don't. So both of us are working at Burger King. You know, she's frustrated, you know, personally frustrated, like, you know, about her life. And we're just arguing with each other, fighting a lot of time. You know what? I'm going to go somewhere else because I'm not going to be have this pressure as a young adult dad of raising the kid. And I'm still a kid myself. So who's going to teach me to, to be a man to take care of my business if there was no man in the first place? You know what I mean? So we run from our problems, you know, and that's the reality people don't see. Like, look, fortunately, I have my dad there. He was, he's my stepdad. He doesn't have kids, but I respect that in a man to step up and say, you know what? Even though he's not my kid, I'm going to take care of him. So I love my dad for that, but that's just one man out of many missing in the black community because you know, there's that pressure of I have to step up and be something that I'm not trained to do. And some of y'all, especially most conservative people, well, that's what part of being a man is, is stepping up. Like, well, no, it's not that easy because, like I said, you have the hate coming from this, 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 this. Like, if somebody's putting pressure on you, you want to get away. You know, so you may, I hope that doesn't that, that confuse y'all a little bit or what? So you say, I'm sorry if it confuses you. No. No, like, all right, so here's the thing, right? So what you're saying is true, but it's only 50% of the possible outcome, right? right? Like, what's the old adage? Pressure, you know, makes diamonds, right? Breaks pipes. Mm -hmm. The question is, are you a pipe or are you a diamond, right? So it's like, obviously, you know, um, I get what you're saying completely, right? Like, yeah, like, we, as men, right, have to naturally do what we have to do 
when faced with adversity, right? Like we just gotta step our game up, right? You know, what, what what's the what what they say, grab by the bootstraps or whatnot. Okay. We've heard all the phrases, all right? But there is a reality that as a black men, there's added pressures that we deal with that other cultures may not be privy to. And I'm sure that for other cultures, there are situations to where it's the same, right? To where it's like, okay, there's struggles that they're dealing with that I haven't been privy to. But I do know for a fact that as a black man, right? And Dave, I want to say me and you, we chopped it up about this maybe like last week or something or two weeks ago, right? But this whole notion of being smart is deemed uncool in the black community. That's a major problem. Major problem. Because like, bro, like literally the tools that it takes to make a successful community, because let's be honest, right? Playing basketball, being a good musician, right? Being a movie star, right? Like, yeah, these are good talents, but these aren't known to build communities. Now, the resources that you can gain from a successful career, yes, those can build communities, but the skills themselves alone are not conducive of a, a, a fruitful community, whereas being a doctor is, whereas being an architect is, right? Whereas going to agriculture is, right? Truck driving, right? Garbage right. disposal, because regardless of who uh who is running the community, uh-huh. you got trash, and that trash, trash has to be disposed of, right? Mm-hmm. These are skills that literally a society cannot function without. Yet, these are the ones that primarily, not all, not all, not all people, let, let's preference that, but primarily a lot of women in our community are turned off by that. Yeah. You tend to look, or, or, or let, let me word it another way. You look the other way. And that's a major problem because family is essential to any community. That is the building block of any community, the family, right? Right. As long as that element is disrupted, then forget about, forget about everything else. Because if you just can't have two simple people come together, fall in love with each other and create a family, then how do you expect other couples to do the same which is going to result in a community that now needs buildings businesses right all these different merchants like literally this is all connected it's all connected man so yeah so it it is it is a reality that us as black men we do have extra struggles that are stacked on top of just being a regular man, right? Um, and, and and it definitely is. What is it a, is, man. It, it it's a it's a mental struggle that you know that I, I'm currently dealing with, and we're gonna actually talk a little bit more about this on the other side of the break. Make sure you stay tuned to the Straight Up Show podcast. Straight up, we know that all lives matter. 
but historical events have shown that there is an inverse power dynamic between the races in our country. To highlight this, we present our Black Lives Matter merchandise. Because let's be real, some of you don't seem to understand that this isn't the organization, but a message. That message, end inequality towards minorities in America. And just in case that's too complicated for you in English, we have the phrase translated into 10 different languages. Visit StraightUpShowPodcast.com for this and all our other merch. That's S-T-R, the number 8, ShowPodcast.com. Shirts as low as nineteen ninety nine. or a model or somebody who's looking to do something impactful ain't nobody gonna find your ass in no Shreveport sometimes when you're home you don't want to leave because you're comfortable but your biggest dreams can be the push you need to take risk and leaving a city that made me a city that can't be duplicated is a challenge I had to accept no matter where my journey leads me I'll never Forget home. All right, welcome back to the Australia Show podcast. I'm your host, Calvin. Hey, we're talking all things about black men and the black community. Uh, great topics that we're having today. Great conversation. Conversations that we need to have. I'm pretty sure some of y'all have canceled out, but hey, sorry. Keeping it real, show's called straight up. This is what happens in our community. These are conversations that we don't have. They're going to be people like on our previous barbershop episode that said, hey, you know what? Uh, you guys are too conservative. You Uncle Tom's for saying this. Well, you know what? We're being straight up. So uh, today I'm joined by my cousin, Robbie, CJ, and David. Uh, guys are dropping gems today. About and I think that we all grew up differently. David grew up in the South. Robbie grew up in the country. CJ, you grew up more in the city, and I grew up in the projects. So it, it's like we have different styles of black upbringings, you know, yeah. uh, that we all bring to the table. Which is crazy because on the outside look, you think all oh, we come from the same part, and you people out there that are listening, you don't and those who don't know the black community. The fact that we grew up four different ways in the black community is shocking because the way Robbie grew up, I wouldn't know anything about the way Robbie grew up at all or the way David grew up. I wouldn't know anything about how David grew up because I'm not from the downtown part of Louisiana. I'm not from the country. I don't know how to do none of that stuff, <laughs> you know, like, you know, so David and Robbie are great cooks. Like I can't do none of that stuff. <laughs> like <laughs> like they, they know how to, so, but that just shows you that we're all, even though we're black men, we have different type of upbringings and, but the world puts us in a one little box. So that's what this episode is about because, you know, the way we grew up is different, but the way the men that we're trying to become it's even harder. And as CJ talked about, we we have this pressure on us to perform. And I think in today's society, and shout out to our previous guest, Taylor Moore, who's Afro-Latina, she grew up around Black men that got bashed and trashed and told that they weren't good enough. And me, myself, personally, I have dealt with that as well. 
as black men, when we go through these pressures, uh, I don't know if you go through these pressures, man, but if you go through these kind of pressures, Robbie, wait, because I know it's sometimes white America, they, it, it, it used to kill me about my dad. My dad used to work 70 hours a week, bust his butt, man, and come home tired. My dad did, did plumbing. He used to come home dirty, you know, and he, I used to get jealous because I'm like, you know what? Like, I want to make enough money so I can treat you to not deal with that. Like, my dad don't golf, but to see my dad golfing, let me see if he likes it. Because on, on Saturdays and Sundays, you'll see mostly white men at a golf club. You never see black men on a golf club. The ones that are on all the golf club, they make money, they make a lot of money. But what is the average black man's outlet? Like, so, Robbie, when you're facing these pressures, what are some of your outlets to get the pressure off you to kind of de-stress and just kind of collect yourself? Well, with me being a country boy and all, you know what I'm saying? One of my main outlets is fishing. Like, there's nothing like being up on that water. It's calming, soothing. You may not catch nothing, but that's besides the point. Calms your mind down. I just, man, Robbie is just so cool, man. Like, like I'm cute. Like he's my cousin, but he is the coolest dude I know. Like <laughs> he's the most unbothered person in my life. That's because all that fishing he's been doing. All that man. fishing he's been doing, right? <laughs> I guess that's my woo sock. That's your hey, woo sock. Hey. So, like CJ, same question. Like, what's like your woo sock? Like, when you got the pressures of work, uh, girls or whatever you're going through, what's something that kind of makes you just have that woo sock? Like what's all your the, all all the pressures, man. Uh, man, my top two, um, is uh music and biking. Uh, I get lost in either one of them, and it's like the pressures of the world don't even exist. Like you know, I lock myself into my studio, and I just start coming up with a track, right, making a beat, and literally like it's like time stops or at least like my awareness of time just dissipates and I just get lost in whatever it is that I'm doing, lost in the beat and the drums. And the exact same goes for biking, like similar to uh, fishing, right? You're feeling the wind, right? You know, you're, you're at, at peace with nature. You're one with nature, right? And it's something about that that just takes you away from the stresses of the moment and just fo forces you to focus on the here and now. So, yeah, man, th those top two. I think you're starting to see a correlation. Like, doing things in nature tends to have mm -hmm. that soothing effect. Getting from in front of that screen. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. And for me, I live in a big city. So like me, I love getting lost. I go for a drive. I, I love getting lost. It's like, oh, this is this. This is where I get, because like I live in a big city. So I'm like, I don't know where things are. You know, yeah. I like discovering new places, which once again, like I like going to the country part of it. You know, I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool. This is out here. Like, and then when I got people like David that comes, oh, we can go hit this spot up to eat. You know, we can go Lolo's. Lolo's. <laughs> but we get different places to go to so i love like if i don't have my weekend drive like and i used to play like uh don't give me a line the gap band summertime music like just mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about like 
just mm-hmm. it, it puts me at peace. Outstanding. Yeah, it's just like I mean, I don't smoke, but it, like if I was to smoke, if I was to smoke weed, like that would be my high. Like that's my high of driving on Sunday. Like I have to have my drive because I'm like, you know what? Like I mean, I, I work from home, so it's like, man, I gotta get out the house because the you know the uh, is it kimchi or whatever you call it, the, just to have the the uh, the chi the chi. And so it's just like that's my my therapy is driving, and I make beats, so you know I do the music too, so. I get lost in time with that too. I I purposely saved David for last <laughs> because David, like, there's reasons why I don't contact David because David has, <laughs> I you know you never when you never know David's availability because David not Man. only not did he get married, he also has a kid, and so. Like this question, I'm curious about this question. Like, I think we all are like, just <laughs> we dying to know. You got black fathers exist, so that is true. And when when I, when I first met Dave, Dave had a hair, head full of hair. He didn't have any. Like, <laughs> now Dave got the Obama gray coming in, and like Dave, Man. like so serious question though. Like you know, you have out of all of us the most pressure on anybody. Uh, that I would thank you to, uh, because you work all kind of crazy hours as in in, in in hospital care or in uh in a medical field, but you also have a kid and a wife. Like, how do you? What do you do to find that balance of peace and to decompress? So for myself, um, well, you know, I'm kind of with CJ. I have to get out there in nature and right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're gonna work on that we're gonna work on that man <laughs> but i'm working on it man i'm working on it. but no man for myself honestly and truthfully because like I said, yeah absolutely life is very very busy i work like 12 14 hour days as a nurse um and then i come home and i spend time with family things like that so what i've learned is or what i've learned to do is i've learned to find my peace so therefore for me, I like to listen to my music similar to Calvin. I'm, I like to pull up the the old the, the older you know, 70s, 80s and kind of lean back and jam on my way going to and fro from work. So the right music kind of gets me into a space. I'm definitely one of your uh, prayer meditation type guys. I'm very, very, um, I'm very, very deep, you know, in my spiritual relationship, you know, with God. So I, I pray, I meditate, I read. Um, things of that and that's kind of where I de-stress and put myself in there and then I just find I find the positive moments to just I, I find peace in things and I think just in my, my meditation and my prayer I think prayer life I think gives me that peace where I can be in the middle of a of a of a of a hurricane and for me it's like a the wind's blowing you know and that's just kind of how I live my life you know that's it you know, I find things to be thankful because what it is, is honestly and truthfully, there's so much wrong and there's so many things that are going to be wrong and there's always going to be something wrong. Life period, always something wrong. So if you look at your life and find those things to be thankful about or those things to be happy about or those things to be grateful about, because there's always somebody, a lot of somebody who have things worse than you, then, you know, in there, there's peace. I also I like like to get a good nap every now and then. Oh yeah, I don't know who sleeps more, you or Robbie. Both of y'all. <laughs> <are crazy. laughs> definitely, 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 Robbie. Because my five year old be like, okay, that's long enough. 
Let's, let's talk about uh, the Royal Rumble with, with explosions going off. Man, just gone. Man. Look, I don't know if it's an age thing, but definitely sleep is one of the most underrated games. If you can period. get, if you can get eight hours. Eight, bro, bro, if you could get bro. a full eight hours. It might be a family thing with us because our cousin Dasman, he just... <laughs> I'm like, it gotta be. Man, but now uh, I ask y'all this because my my follow up question to this is, you know, we talked about being educated and within our own, like, you know, racial females, it's frowned upon or having a job of like, oh, you work too many hours, like, because I mean, think about it, ladies. First off, if your man is working a lot of hours, like he's trying to provide for you, so you might want to respect it. And don't get mad if he don't give you enough time because eight hours plus 14 hours, like that's already, you know, you got what? How many more? We got four hours left in the day, six hours left in the day. Like you got to breathe. Like, so it's like, you have to be patient with us because I, I don't got future money. I don't got Kanye West money. Like, so I think with that, the world, the world has to have the expectations from black men lowered, not in a bad way, but it's like you, you can't expect us to be Hercules, but give us like totem pole, like or just tadpole, just treatment. You know, the world asks a lot from us, but we get so little in return. Hmm. I asked y'all this because I want to know how do you feel about how do you address black male sensitivity? How can you because we have to basically and excuse my French, I'm, I'm gonna do the dolphin thing y'all love so much, but. Like, you know, like, how how do we as black men have to deal with just shut the f*** and deal with it, basically, and not be sensitive? Like, mm -hmm. so I start with David. Like, how can you address, like, just because a lot of people have that mentality that black men have to just shut up and deal with it. Well, for one. And like I said, a lot of times these actions are a lot more difficult than, you know, difficult said than done. But once you start to do them, then you'll start to, like, realize that it's really not that hard. And you'll be, like, grateful for it. But, number one, you have to not care about what other people think. You have to put yourself in a place where you really focus more so on what really matters, you know what I'm saying, to you. Um, I know that it's taught in them, it's taught and it's pushed in our quote unquote culture. And I really want to, like, if you want to cancel anything, you need to cancel this word culture because that it's not real. Like, this is the, what we what we call culture is something that's been pressed upon us. And then they sit there and say that's our culture. But um, you need to be able to express your emotion. I think me having a daughter definitely changed that because I definitely, you know what I'm saying, realized that I needed to like soften up some with the fact that I have a girl. And I think that's what kind of broke some of that for me. But um, but yeah, you have to you if you don't allow yourself to feel and you don't allow yourself to basically experience life the way you need to experience life, then you're gonna find yourself not being satisfied and find yourself in more of a despair, you know, period. You know, that that that's brings us back to all that anger and frustration and things like that. You have to do with what's good for you. And you have to do what's good for, you know, your children, family, things of that nature. And just don't take all, I don't take all that. You know, that's Robbie, my way to put it. 
Robbie, how do you feel about when people kind of mock or uh, disregard male sensitivity or just male emotions, period? I don't know about y'all, but definitely with me, like I was taught that, hey, man, you don't show your emotions. Suck it up. Keep it moving. I'm guessing that's because, you know, that's the way it was taught to my father and mm-hmm. so forth and so forth. So, I mean, as far as sensitivity goes, I mean, I guess we all have it. It's just a matter of being able to open up to certain people, finding a safe space in order to do so. Mm. And I think that that's kind of like why I I flock to you, y'all a lot, because I have that safe space. Sometimes I kind of, it can be overbearing sometimes. I apologize. But uh, y'all do allow me to have that safe space. And I think that there should be more people, like Black men especially, to group up like this and have these different, like, safe spaces with Black men. Because we, even though we come from four different parts of the world, you know, or or part of Louisiana anyway, uh, we all have something to bring to the table. So. CJ, in talking about this safe space and people that mock not only the sensitivity, but open up your emotions, like how do you address that? How do I address it? It's simple, right? I just don't pay it no mind. That's me personally, all right? That's the short answer. Um, To dive deeper into, uh, I guess you could say, the mindset behind it, or at least uh, where we as men should gravitate to, uh, I'm going to tell a little story. So uh, several years back, I used to work at a grocery store and there was one particular day where a customer, him and his wife was in the store and I don't know how it happened, right? Like if he was trying to like climb up an aisle or something, reach for a tall item, but he ended up slipping and falling and he hit the back of his head, bust his head wide open. Right. Like I was the first one to spot it at the scene. Right. Ran over, hit on my uh, my walkie talkie like, hey, you know, uh, we need somebody to call ambulance. Right. We need store director over here. Stat. Right. I mean, like literally it was a pool of blood, like right where he was. Man. It was not a pretty scene. OK. All right. So. Me and the uh, me and the store director, we're trying to calm down. Obviously, the wife, she she's irate, right? Rightfully so, right? Me and the store director, right? Store director, he's over there, uh, trying to get a CPR, right? Like trying to, you know, keep keep his uh his body pumping, keep keep the guy alive, essentially, right? Whereas me, right? Like I'm making sure that nobody that does not need to be on this aisle is not on this aisle blocking that joker off completely, all right? Um, In the midst of all the chaos, it was someone from the deli that had came over to our area, right? And once she seen the scene, her intention was to come over, I guess, and assist and help, right? Once she came over to the scene, she freaked out. Probably worse than the wife. Right. And obviously, this is just upsetting the wife more. She's already irate. Right. Now she's seeing somebody else go crazy about it. Right. Um, so why the hell did I bring that up? OK. Um, when it comes to the advice 
that was taught to us, right? The traditional advice of you hold your emotions on your sleeve, right? You, you, you don't show emotion. That's a half truth. It's true in the sense to where you only need to let the people that can quote unquote handle the news, let them know. Because if, if you were to show, just like going back to this uh, example, if you are to show your emotion, basically show, hey, I'm lost. I don't know what to do in this situation, right? If this, if you admit that to someone that cannot provide that answer, then that's going to deter them. If they're looking for you for guidance, then that could essentially throw them off because it's like, well, you you're you're the leader. Like I, I'm following your lead, and you telling me you can't lead. Well, dang. Now I'm now I don't know what to think. Right now, here's the other half of that coin. Right, if we hold that in, we're gonna explode. We need an outlet, but that's why it's important that you only disclose that to that quote safe space, right? Either disclose it to other like-minded leaders that knows the pressure of being in that position, right? Or to somebody that legitimately can take the information, confide in you and give you the right motivation to move forward. So basically that was a long way of saying, we need to make sure that we vet who we allow that emotion to, because that's something that's so sacred. Not everybody can get a piece of that. And some people can use that to tear you down even more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it puts you in an even bigger bubble. And so mm-hmm. we're going to talk about Black men's health on the other side of the bridge. Make sure you stay tuned to this powerful, powerful episode on a Straight Up Show podcast. I think straight up means to be able to speak in a way that is straight up, to be honest and to speak your truth. Raw, uncut, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's blunt, you know, straight to the point, this is what it is. It's just a place to be open and honest. And that's what I appreciate most about it. And it provides a place for community members to come together and just be straight up with each other about things that are going on in the world because it affects all of us. Uh, unfiltered, raw, with all the cursing that Calvin does. Straight up is just being real, telling it, telling it like it is, you know, um, being you. Being solid, being who you are, no matter what it is, no matter what situation you're faced with, right? This is who you are. It really, it really speaks to me saying it is what it is and it ain't what it is, straight up. Hey everybody out there, I'm Sutan Salahuddin. From Southside, season three is out right now on HBO Max. Make sure you tune in and make sure you tune in to the Straight Up Podcast show whenever you are online. Peace. All right, welcome back to the Straight Up Show podcast. This is a powerful episode, uh, episode that I thought I've been waiting to do, especially with these gentlemen. I've had them on the show. previously but you know today we have robbie cj and david uh thank y'all so much for uh coming on the show uh 
we we talk about the importance not only of black community but African Americans in America right now. Uh, there's the old adage of uh, MAGA, make America great again. I want to put the adage says make African Americans great again too, because we matter too. It's not just us. Uh, people get confused with the, the 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 organization of Black Lives Matter, which is the organization, but we talk about Black Lives Matter as the message because you know as Black men we just want to be heard too. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I have this platform because, you know, coming from a guy that worked in media that, you know, you get looked at because of the color of your skin and then the, then your size. And then actually, funny enough, funny story, I, I looked up to somebody that was a black man in media. I looked up to him looked for his advice. And the first thing he told me about media, lose weight. And after that, I was like, Wow. You know, I looked up to you and I asked for advice and that's the first thing you said to me. And, you know, he's no longer in media, but here I am interviewing. And I'm trying to gloat, but it's like, you know, you put something in my head that I wasn't good enough. And I'm already battling the world already. They said I'm not good enough. So we're having this platform to say we want to be positive male influences to other young men out there that are going through these issues that don't have an outlet of ways to say, hey, I'm hurting too, or this makes me upset. So this is why I had to have these three on the show, because these are people that I'm sharing with you that I go to. Who can I run to? Like, these are the guys that I go to. Uh, and speaking of singing, like, I need a miracle. Sorry, my bad. I heard that the other day. Sorry. I don't remember the song <laughs> going like that, right? You remember? You remember hey, hey, like I can't see... <laughs> Oh, but <laughs> Robbie and CJ have a a, a a great Christmas song that I'm gonna be playing here in the next month or so. So uh yeah. that, man. Put, put it on repeat. <laughs> Is it Christmas on YouTube? Classic. Is it on YouTube? We can always put it back on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna yeah. say we put it on YouTube, but it on YouTube. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was that was that's still my jam. I don't care, you know. Hey, I'm, I'm a fan of local music. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who's saying, hey, that's a and then, like, you know, it's crazy because I'm single for the holidays, so it's kind of like, you know, I'm going through you know, something like just, I want my girl back. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, uh, but these are the guys that I can joke around and be animated with these guys. But, well, think about these two gentlemen that they are in shape. They've always been there. But uh, as the old adage goes, and the, the life expectancy of a black man is much lower than a white man. And it, it's often joked, that, oh, uh, uh, if he makes it 65, he's really old. Like, like, oh, he's 30? Man, he's about 65 in black years. Like, you know, just, like, that's always been a joke. But one thing that robbed me and CJ push a lot, David too, actually, is health, you know. And we're in our 30s. And why is, especially starting with CJ, why is it that as a black man, health is so critical? I believe, I don't know if this is like medically accurate, but I do think that those added stresses that we talked about earlier, those are what play a major part in our, you know, lower life expectancy, right? You know, we, we, like once again, you're in the eyes of the general public, you're, you're a danger, right? You know, like you're you're a menace to society, like you're a potential target, right? So yeah, man. So when 
when you're dealing with that on top of the natural uh, stresses of life, right? Then basically the, the, the cards are stacking against you. So that's how I look at it, right? It's like, basically you need to do whatever you can, as many things as you can, right? To increase your chances of that life expectancy go up because you know how many cards are stacked against you. And same with you, right? Like, it's like, you you do health as well. Like, why is, especially in our community, why is, especially in our family, like, you know, we have a bad history of bad health issues. Like, why is it so important that you push health why are you trying to keep so active and healthy? Well, for one, man, I don't I don't know the exact number, but I feel like we as a black community, like we lead all other populations with like underlying diseases like diabetes, high blood pressure, things of that sort. And another thing as black people that we don't really do is we don't go to the hospital and get checked out. We don't do our annuals. Like we get we get hurt or something like that, we rather sit there and nurse it at home before we go and see a doctor. And then in other cases, we just ain't got the funds for that bill. That's true, also, right? That's but true but also, still, but that, it goes back to the fact that we're not checking up on ourselves. We're not doing annuals. And then a lot of like a lot of the people should notice, like if you do have a job. A lot of your job's insurances make it to where they give you incentives to actually go get your yearly checkups and things of that sort. Like they want to see you healthy. Like they want to see you stay on their production line more than anything. But at the same <laughs> exactly. time, it's kind of working at, in your benefit too, because it's it's prolonging. It's your a health. win-win. Yeah, like they want that cog to work as efficiently as it can for as long as it can. They want the machine to continue to run. Right? So it benefits you because obviously you're that cog. Your life. Right? right? So, yeah. And Dave, especially you as a nurse, you know, both y'all, y'all just, y'all work in the medical field and y'all see all kinds of stuff. So like, you know, you know uh, Dave, you've been a father. It's really more critical for you. Exactly. And that's really kind of where my thing was with health i got health definitely got more important than me once you know having a child because it's like you want to stick around but uh but honestly and truthfully like i said life is just stressful then a lot of times it's just hereditary so for myself diabetes high blood pressure all of that comes on both sides of the family as well as the tendency to be obese because of our food choices how we eat how we cook the type of things we put in our body that's taught you know from family you know younger from you and so all of that, you know, rolls into the person that you end up being present day. So it's very, like I said, for me now, it's very important to get into, you know, working out more and um, the exercise and the diet and things like that. So um, I definitely yeah, I wouldn't even say diet, David. I wouldn't even like say diet so much as just getting into nutrition, like getting I'll the right that. nutrition in your body. That makes all the difference. That's like not, that's not you me. can. You can have a person that's dieting, but that don't mean they're healthy. The biggest, very true. Very yeah, true. I, I would say the biggest eye opener, right? With anybody that's looking to become fit, you have to understand your relationship between your body and food. Mm. You need to understand that basically the food is basically fuel, right? What happens 
when you fill up a car that you never drive, eventually that that fuel is just going to spill over, right? That's essentially right. what it's doing, but in your body. The more you don't burn that fuel off, then your body is going to say, well, hey, I'm just going to store it for next time. And that results in obesity, right? So, Sludge. right, you know, so, yeah, so... So literally, you could eat all day as long as you're burning it off. It's not going to result in weight gain, right? So once again, it goes back to the relationship with your body and food, right? Because it's a, it's, it even goes as deep as the type of foods that I eat would react differently for me than it would for Rob, than it would for Rob, than it would for Calvin. For Calvin than for Dave. Like that, right. that's how deep this thing goes. So once you have a good understanding of okay, what foods work best with you, right? Then that's when you can step into okay, what are the exercises I can do that helps burn that off the best and allows me to come back to do this week in and week out. I'm gonna play devil's advocate now because I'm I am a project kid. Most of the people in the projects just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Like government that we get stuff like that, the WIC and they we don't they don't give us the necessities to survive. I mean, right now I have no excuse because I make money now, but but <laughs> but growing up, man, all we can get is bologna sandwiches. All we can get is bread. Like to see, like if if I lose everything right now, even with the way inflation is right now. I can take $20. I know how to survive for the week because that's how I'm trained. That's how I'm built. You know what I mean? Bread, baby. Mm -hmm. Meat and bread. You know what I mean? Get Showing up, get you a wish sandwich. You know what I mean? And uh, and a wish sandwich is just get you two pieces of bread and wish you had some meat up on it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. But no, what I'm saying is that like things like hot dogs, 59 cents, 99 cents, bread, you know, slice of cheese. That's five dollars right there, you know, and then get some noodles. That's gonna be like how many different packs, you know, you get a gang of noodles for like a dollar. You know what I mean? So like when it comes to health and and overall health, like Robbie said, like we we don't make enough money to go to the doctors. We, how how who, how are we gonna pay for that? Because if we can't pay, guess what? We have more debt and our credit gets messed up, you know. Like there, I really feel like when it comes to all this, there's no easy solutions to none of it. Like, cause you're gonna have to give up something. Like, you know, and it's not just when it comes to health, it's it's hard. Like, and so when we stress out, we gotta, we gotta work another job. And then all of a sudden, like dad has to have a heart attack. But big mama is like, you know what? My baby hungry, I'm gonna make this diabetic type food. Just like put sugar and everything. And just, so like, with us being in part of the new generation right now of uh, black men and black people, like how can we be different than our big mamas and our pop pops? And like, how can we be different? Once again, like you said, you're the, you, you said something, you said easy solutions. Fact of the matter is nine times out of 10, when you're looking for solutions to change, they're very seldom easy. Mm -hmm. When you're looking, when you, when you're looking to change, change is seldom easy you have to push and be willing to be the, and be determined to implement those things to put into change 
So like for instance, for myself exercising, I got a Fitbit that I you know that I, I that I got. I watch my my steps and this that and the other, and then I've enlisted to one of my friends, CJ, who he you know he has his Fitbit, so he can kind of look and kind of monitor that and see. Man, Fitbit right, day. right, right. So he can. <laughs> He, he can look and kind of tell because, you know, we, we group. And there's things like groups, so you, you have to find community. You know what I'm saying? So you, you find community to help you with doing, doing those things. Uh, Rob is sending me workout exercises and things like that so I can get on daily, which honestly and truthfully ain't no joke. I did a couple of days so far out of it so far, and I'm kind of like, this Go kill me, but uh, <laughs> but, but but it's all it's all good though. It's part it's part it's part of the change is never easy, but the is the easier the easier or the earlier you started, the easier it will be. So once again, just like other things we talked about, we have to show and teach our children different. So for instance, early in life, we have to get our children into eating fruits and vegetables and things more. We can't just give in and only let them eat McDonald's and chicken nuggets because what happens? They grow older and all they want to McDonald's and chicken nuggets. If your kids grow up starting off on fruits and vegetables and things like that, well, guess what? There are a lot of fruits and vegetables. They're not as good as getting them fresh, but you can get canned goods with fruits and vegetables and they come out to be a lot less in price. Kids don't eat fruits and vegetables when they're younger. So then when they get older, I don't eat stream beans. I don't eat peas. I don't eat beans. I don't eat. And now your diet consists of fried food and going to McDonald's and going to Burger King. When you could have gone to the store, got a can of corn, picked up some chicken and made a meal for a whole lot less than going to Taco Bell or going to Subway for a Subway sandwich, even if you were dieting. So that's kind of where some of that. Um, other change. We as Black people, period, we have to get back to agriculture. I'm sorry. We were, we were the people doing the agriculture. And the fact of the matter is, we've gotten so far from it because, uh, because of what it was for us. But fact of the matter, the fact that we knew how to plant carried us for generations. We put down that training to go get food from the stores and the markets, but if we get back to planting our own food, we can feed ourselves yep. better nutritious, better nutritious stuff. We have to teach our children how to get back into fishing. We have to teach ourselves how to get back into hunting. We have to teach our, we have to get back to those basics of survival. That's really the biggest problem. We are so dependent on, or we become so independent on what they give us or what they allow us to give, to get that now they have the choice to starve us. They have the decisions to put the wrong stuff in our foods. They have the decisions to tell us what we can and cannot afford to eat. And we're stuck doing so. So the change, like I said, is not easy. And it's going to take time. But if we never start getting back to here, the future is going to come. And our kids and our grandkids are going to be the next slaves. I got something to add on to that, Dave. So, so, uh, all right. So let's say we're talking about low income, right? We we don't have that many funds, right, to go to a Whole Foods or whatnot. Hell, I ain't got no no Whole Foods money. All right, I ain't like, got no foods money. To this day, I have never stepped foot in a single Whole Foods store. Right. That's the goal. I walked in, but I walked out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the goal, right? But 
even then, right? Okay, money's low, all right, and you don't have the money to get the most nutritional stuff, right? Okay, ramen noodles, right? Yes, they're not the most nutritional, but they're still noodles nonetheless, okay? The biggest issue you're gonna run in ramen noodles is sodium, okay? So you eat too much of that, and then hypertension, that stuff, okay? But let's just take that out. If you're eating ramen noodles now, you can't say you can't get no ramen noodles, right? That's probably one of the cheapest, you know, practical foods you can get. Throw some chicken up in that joker, boom, you got you a, a some shrimp, make a shrimp scampi or something, man. I'm telling you, we know how to make some concoctions. But anyway, um, <laughs> with, with the ramen noodles, right? Rob, how many calories do you think one pack of uh, ramen noodles has? How, how many calories do you think that is? Mm -hmm. Say it's about 580 or so. So round it off to 600, right? So going back to understanding your body and what you put into your body, okay? You just put 600 calories plus whatever other proteins or whatever things you throw into that ramen, okay? All right, burn more than 600, let's say 700 calories that day. Guess what? You're not gaining weight. Good. So, so once again, when, when it comes to fitness, right, the food is only half the story. There's food, but then there's also the exercise, right? So, yes, if you're talking to a family that's not doing any type of exercise whatsoever, then yeah, them living low income. And not being able to buy healthy foods, yes, that could be a problem. But if, you know, once again, ramen noodles or, you know, any type of uh, spam or anything like that, right? You know, okay, what do you do in that scenario? You see how many calories you're taking in. And now you know, okay, I need to exercise and burn off X amount of calories so that this is not sticking to me at the end of the day. So we, and, and here's the thing, right? Yeah, we we can't control our, our our funds to a certain extent, right? But you can control whether you decide to get up and move, right? It don't cost you a penny to run a track, to walk up and down the street or up and down the block, don't right? To walk. If you stand in the hood, if you stand in the projects, right? I am almost 800% sure that there's a basketball court somewhere. Mm-hmm. Somebody got Ray Ray and Day Day got ba got a basketball. <laughs> Do some pickup games with them, you'll lose something. And if you're scared, just walk during the day or before light it get dark outside. You Th know, there you go. There you I, go. I, I, I'm not gonna because I'll be a hypocrite right now, so I'm not gonna say much. But right. but but saying but, but, saying that to but, say but, this, right? Yeah. You can be resourceful. Mm. So it once again, is it gonna yeah. be easy? Hell no. But Hell there are no. options. You just gotta figure out how to work around your situation. And I'd even take it. A step further, like with the Roman noodles thing, Rami noodles, Rami noodles, however you pronounce it. However, you know. Your spinach, canned yeah. spinach. Ain't nothing wrong with canned spinach. It has the same nutritional value as your baby spinach that you have on the outer. On the outer. Yeah, in the bags. Or right. just the fresh ones. Or yeah. the fresh ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's nothing wrong with getting canned products. You just got to look at it and make sure that the sodium content ain't as high and you can wash it before you put it in so and you, you can, can wash always it. wash it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. so and that's what i'm learning like i think 
uh, I think with me is that, you know, I grew up in the projects. My mom grew up on snack cakes and sugar and stuff like that. And there's no discredit to her. She was trying to survive. I don't discredit her for that. Yeah. yeah. But like now that I'm older, now I can be more educational about my nutrition. I think that's what a lot of us is missing in in our neighborhoods is that we're not educated on nutrition enough as much as they try to teach it. But like, so I think there needs to be ways to put it to where we can survive what we have, but still be nutrition. So I think that there need to be more programs like that. That's why I really loved Michelle Obama because that was one of her biggest initiatives uh, in the, when she was in the Obama, the Obama administration. So as we wrap this up, uh, this has been a great show. Uh, thank you, Robbie, uh, CJ, and David uh, for coming on here. One thing that I like to say is that time is the new form of currency, in my opinion. Because you can make money over and over again, but you can't make up time. You know what I mean? And and it's and and this might sound very elder. I, I'm the youngest out of all three of these people, but <laughs> I really think, and this was this came from a little boost, surprisingly. Another, even though y'all probably don't like him, he's one of my hood heroes, though. But because when I hear his music. It pays he a, has his entertainment value, but man. like, but, but, but like his music really—that's that's really a, a a Picasso of how I grew up, though. So yeah. I mean, his music—that's how I grew up because I relate to it. But he said something that was an inspiration to me that I never thought I would hear. He said that social media is this generation's version of the crack epidemic. Yep, I because, agree because it, it 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 loses people's lives. Is addicting, and it costs relationships. And I think that we need to veer off of social media. And like I said, go back to farming and just having like, because like even wrestling term, Daniel Bryan only spends one hour on, on social media a day. But I think we've come so addicted to what social media gives us. It like, like the Dave Chappelle skit, like he's in the internet going around different places and stuff like, and it's kind of like, there's so many options out there and we try so hard to mimic everything, especially in the black community. I want to mimic the hair. I want to mimic the jewelry. I want to mimic the guns. I want to mimic. We don't have an identity. If I can put this all in a conclusion, the thing that I've preached on us not having an identity, this is, can be a good and a bad thing, but I think one of our biggest traits as African-American men and women is that the African-American and men and women know how to survive. We know how to survive. Whether it's our ancestors on a slave ship coming to America to be slaves or during the civil rights era to vote, but we learn how to survive. And I say this because we know how to do what we have to do to survive. But as an African-American man, I am scared for the future. Because the way it is right now, even though our grandparents had to give us a way of thinking, their survival skills is not being preached today, I don't think. And I don't see it. You know, there's a small there's a small number of people like us right now, but man, the the majority of the ignorance and the enabling, it's it, it's it's overbearing right now. So I want to get this last take on y'all, and you can be brief if you want. The future of the African-American race 
is CJ. Boy, boy, that is oh, that is the million dollar question. Um, I can say this. The future, and by future, I mean like the ideal, the ideal future of black race, black culture is not survival. And here's what I mean by that. Survival is largely rooted in fear. Listen to the term survive right basically all you're doing is you're just trying not to die or you're just trying not to you know lose whatever resource it is that you're preserving right it's defensive right but haven't y'all heard the old adage of um are you playing a game to win or not to lose those are two completely different strategies and surviving is not a strategy where you're playing to win. You're just not trying to lose. That's why we're in the situation that we're in right now, because we're allowing ourselves to get under these umbrellas, right? That's owned by people that don't look like us, that don't understand our cultures because this is the quote unquote safe bet. This is how I know I'm going to bring home this check. As opposed to doubling down, right? Taking the risk, right? Putting ourselves in uncomfortable positions. But the goal is to win. The goal is not to survive. The goal is to thrive. Mic drop. Mic drop. Yeah. David, same thing. Um, the future of the African American races. The future of the African American race is slavery if we don't change. And the reason why I say that is because literally time has a way of repeating itself. If you look at it back in the slavery days before you know, before we got to the Civil War and things of that nature, there was once a point where we were actually the majority and didn't know it because they kept the knowledge from us. Because you had so many plantations that were full of us and we were continuing to grow. We were already the majority. Yet we were controlled by a minority because we did not allow ourselves to basically be educated or we allowed them to educate us. Now that we're getting here, it's been statistically shown that by the time we get to about 2050, it's very, very possible that the white race will once again be the minority. That's why you're seeing a lot of these programs, a lot of these crazy things going on to kind of help keep our numbers down. Sorry, I'm trying I'm trying not get not, not even get, get you canceled, but it's realistic. We're these we are I mean, I, I just to be honest with you. And so that's why you see all this stuff going on because they 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 know it and they see it and they're in fear. And it's always been an, an issue, a fear that, and whenever it comes to those measures, measures, then different things take place. That's part of the reason for 
the crack epidemic. That's part of the reason for all this imprisonment. That's part of the reason for all these programs and things to keep our families apart. Because once again, if the family structure is not there, then we can't build community. That's the reason for all throughout history, the red line and keeping our communities where they where they are low. That's all the reason. That, that's all the reason more. We have never been more. Um, basically, we've never had the type of intelligence and technology in our hands with knowledge like we have now with these phones and these devices and the internet. And that is why they push so much social media upon us to keep us so occupied. Because instead of looking up, you can pretty much learn how to do anything with these phones. You almost don't need college. You can give yourself a degree almost with these with this technology that we have. And while they are using it to learn, and while they are using it to teach, and while they are using it to control us, we busy looking at fights and and celebrities and this, that, and the other, losing all this time and valuable resource. And so if we don't make changes to focus on things that are more important, like I said, at this point, all of our money goes outside of our communities, so we have no money. You know what I'm saying? We are basically relying on what they allow us to get for us food and what we intake into our bodies. So therefore, we have no food. We have very, very little power, power when it comes down to politics and how our laws are made. So therefore, we have no representation. You already see what's going on with the policing in many of these states. So we have no real protection. I don't know about you. I know that we have guns in the hood, but I can guarantee you they have more guns. So we're out weapon. We don't know how to hunt. We don't know how to fish. We don't know how to, so we don't know how to survive. Fewer and fewer of us are teaching our children the basic things like cooking and this, that, and the other. We're not teaching our kids you know, about, about family. So our family structure has been so far broken apart. So therefore, as Blacks, we have no community. We have no businesses. We're like the majority of the working force when it comes down to things like fast food, when it comes down to things like medical care, when it comes down to all these different areas where the majority of the workers or the workforce doing the work, but therefore we own none of this. So whenever they decide they can cut our jobs. And if you're not paying attention, job cuts are already happening. And if you're really, really not, oh, because our eyes are so closed, you don't see that other races are coming in, starting to take some of the jobs that we were more familiar to have. Look in your hospitals. Look in your, look at your grocery stores. Look at your, your restaurants around the block. The jobs that we did have, we're starting to get slimmed down even more. If we don't make some changes to do some things, if we don't learn to work together, if we don't work towards collaboration versus competition and start to build, it's going to be at a point where when they feel like we're too strong or when they feel like we're too many, and when it comes down to like what Charles said, that survival thing, they're going to decide, we got to cut all out. And when they do and we're not ready, guess what happens? Now they can decide how much they want to pay us. They can decide whether they want to hire us. They can decide whether they want to feed us. They can decide whether we can get education or not. 
Right now, those those Supreme Judges right now are trying to take away um what's it called? Um I can't remember the, the term terminology for it. Um, but basically they're making changes. They're they're voting on the laws to decide whether we can get equal representation when it comes down to being allowed into school. Affirmative action. Look it up. They are trying to turn back affirmative action right now as we speak, which decreases our ability to be able to force our way into those schools and get our fair share of education, which isn't fair anyway. If we don't wake up, sit or plug at any time. That was deep, and I'm gonna say it again. Um, Time is the new form of currency. Like, if you think about it, it really is. Robbie, I ended with you. Uh, Same question. The future of the African-American race is? The future should be unity. If we all stand united, we work together, we love on each other, man, this sky's the limit of how strong we could be. Simple as that. And that's, if you can't get anything out of this whole uh, part one, part two of this episode, I want you to get the love that the four of us have for each other. The, The thoughts that we have, the passion that we have, the hopefulness that we have that's what we're trying to display to the people that look like us. And that's also something that we want the people that don't look like us to understand about us is that we don't want much. We just want to know that we're here. We're too broke to go back to Africa. And it's not even all about that. It's about we're here. Our generation is here. Our livelihood is here. We are Americans as well. It's only you that classify us. You put us in a bubble. Like, we have so much to contribute to this country, to this world. From the the AC when it gets hot in, in the summertime, to the music, the shoes, the fashion. You take from us. But if you're going to take from us, acknowledge us, and put back into our community so we can survive. Because whether you believe it or not, you cannot survive without us. So it's with that I say that we have to do better, not only as black men, but black women, but as a community in itself. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that there will be an understanding of the black race in America. I'm hopeful that before the day I die that there will be a sign of unity, not just with the black people, but within America and the world as a whole. Because to see people march for George Floyd internationally, I've never would think that I would see that in my life. Because you know why? Because now in 2020, when it happened, the world got to see what we've been trying to tell you that there is injustice in America. Could you imagine what people would saw if they saw Dr. King? internationally when it happened live or if it happened live there would be more unity like you saw 
from there. I want to give a big thanks to David, Robbie, CJ for coming on the show today. Uh, you guys were phenomenal. Uh, you know, I couldn't have not had this episode without them. Uh, I thank them so much because they kept, they keep, these are the people that keep me grounded. Uh, you hear straight up right now that they're a big part of it. CJ, success, David with the knowledge, you know, Robbie with the swaggerness and coolness. I thank y'all so much for coming on the show. And we want to continue the conversation. Uh, join us. If you can, just make sure you go to our website at fairshowpodcast.com. That's S-T-R number eight upshowpodcast.com. There you can see our part one of this incredible episode. Uh, you can go also see our previous episode at the Barbershop Talk as well. Also, if you want to be a participant and join us and actually continue to, because this is a business, this is a, a Black-owned business, if you want to support the Black community and Black media, you can also go to our Patreon page at patreon.com, that's forward slash Trev Show Podcast 318. It's patreon.com forward slash Trev Show Podcast 318. Until then, there's only one rule to our show. You got to be straight up. Straight up.